Professional wrestling, like real life, is full of surprises. Hi everyone, it's Freddie Prinze Jr. And it's no surprise I can talk wrestling all day, any day. Kind of like how State Farm agents can talk insurance and help you choose the right coverage. When it comes to important insurance decisions, let State Farm support you with the coverage you need backed with 24-7 support. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Locatora Radio is a radiophonic novella, which is just a very extra way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. I'm Dios FM. And I am Mala Muñoz. Locatora Radio is your prima's favorite podcast hosted by us, Mala and Diosa. We're two IG friends turned podcast partners, breaking down pop culture, feminism, sexual wellness, and offering fresh takes on trending topics through nuanced interviews with up-and-coming Latinx creatives. Known as Las Locatoras, Las Mamis of Myth and Bullshit, and Las Porcasteras Peligrosas, we were podcasting independently since 2016, but joined iHeartMedia's My Cultura Network in 2022. This year, we're continuing to share stories from the Latinx community pa todo el mundo. Welcome to Season 8. Are, Are you listening? listening? Hola, hola, locamores. Welcome to Season 8 of Locatora Radio. I'm Diosa. And I am Mala. You're tuning in to Capitulo 164, 164. Over the years, while we've been podcasting, we've created a multitude of segments and in-show series to diversify the type of episodes that we produce and share with you. For example, we've done Latinas in Politics, one of our favorite series, Loca Epistemologies, Goddess Worship, Femme Defense, and so on and so on. This season, season eight of Locatora Radio, we are bringing you a brand new series called Me, My Mental Health, and I. For the next few weeks, you'll be hearing from licensed therapists, artists, and creators about mental health and the rise of social media usage. As many of our listeners or locamores may already know, we've been podcasting since 2016, and we are very, very, very much online. Sometimes a little too online. <laughs> Sometimes too online, totally. And we're like self-proclaimed sad girls, chillonas, enojonas, everything. The world is overwhelming. And obviously, we have a lot of feelings. 
a lot of feelings. They are just spilling over and busting out the seams. And it doesn't always help that we spend so much time on social media, not just for fun, but also for work. It's kind of become an inextricable part of what we do as podcast producers and hosts. We've noticed while online that we're not the only sad girls looking to social media for community, connection, resources, and ultimately escape. Back in 2016, we both had nonprofit jobs. That really intense work led us to create a passion project now known as Locatora Radio. When we first started, I was working as a rape crisis counselor and then later as a sex educator. And I was working as a community organizer, and then I moved on to residential care services. And just like many other millennials and also Gen Zers, social media has been in the background of our lives, even when we were kids. From AIM in middle school to MySpace, then Facebook and Twitter in high school, and eventually IG and TikTok in college and into our adulthoods now. After many years of being online and in many ways growing up with social media handles, we've noticed a thing or two. Yes, we've noticed some things are just a little bit off, and we don't think we're the only ones raising an eyebrow. And obviously, we're not the first people to talk about mental health online. A lot of people have talked about mental health online, including us. But over the course of the pandemic, we noticed something changed and we have some questions. Just how accurate is the viral mental health content that we see online? And what seems to be driving the mental health boom on social media? We want to know what motivates and informs the creators that make and share mental health content. And how do young people like us and younger separate the real from the clickbait? Today, on the very first episode of our new series, Me, My Mental Health, and I, we are super excited to be welcoming to Locatora Radio, Danny Fernandez, actress, host, TV writer, and if you're on Twitter, a pretty infamous tweeter tweets out a lot of positive affirmations, but she also tweets out a lot about her own personal history and struggles with mental health, with trauma, how she copes and how she channels it into her art. Danny Fernandez, hot off the front <laughs> lines of the writer's strike, like really showing up and making your voice heard, making your voice known, not only online, in TV, in film, but you're picketing. Yeah. And I want to ask you about the writer's strike, mm -hmm. about your experiences on the front line, why you're striking, but also the way that people have responded to you online when you've shared about it, when you've talked about it. The writer's strike, just general information. We're asking for less than 2% of profits. I think a lot of people might not realize that. I think a lot of people in our industry do. A lot of people outside of our industry don't understand that. We are not asking for profits that aren't there. We're not asking for profits that we didn't make. We're asking for <laughs> profits that exist. And we're asking for less than 2%. That is essentially the equivalent to what one or two of these billionaires uh, are making or multimillionaires are making per studio. So what they make in a year, we're asking for literally all of us. Before we hopped on to record, I was just talking about how triggering it has been for some other people. You know, we there have been stories of us almost getting run over. I almost got ran over at Universal Studios 
videos. There's a video of it. I was interviewed about it. We had very infamously people that were almost run over by a producer in Atlanta. And I think it's because these folks, one, it's wild to me to side with billionaires. That's crazy. Uh, you yourself are not a billionaire. That is, that's insane to me. But secondly, I think they see us banding together to ask for our worth. We are tired. We're tired of these situations. We're tired of being exploited. Alex O'Keefe, he, you know, very famously is a writer of The Bear, talked about how his bank account was negative when he won the WGA award for the for writing The Bear. Uh, he couldn't even afford a tux. So, you know, I would really like for queer people, people of color, like I want us to not just struggle to survive. I want us to thrive. And so we're asking for the for or a foundation that would allow us to live here and not just survive what we're, we're, we're not even really able to survive. But I think it's triggering for people to see us banding together and asking for our worth because they wish that they could do that. So instead, they take it out on us as opposed to banding together to create their own union. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because, God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. I first came across you and your work before the writer's strike mm -hmm. on Twitter. 
you go viral all the time for a lot of <laughs> on accident. Things, whether it's completely on accident, <laughs> but consistently and organically, and whether it's a thirst trap or an affirmation, you also tweet out a lot about your journey with mm-hmm. with mental health, with trauma, and the way that you channel all of those things into your work. I, I remember at one time you tweeting about a pilot that you sold called yes. 1% Happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm really curious about the internet, mental health, and how it shows up in your work. Yeah. Well, the reason why I treat, I tweet, I didn't used to tweet affirmations. And those all come from my heart. Those all come from my healing. I used to be very cynical. And I feel a lot of comedy, you know, we, we came up through comedy is very cynical. And that was just not helpful to me anymore. I am a suicide survivor. I've been pretty vocal about that. And hope to me is a skill. It's something that takes practice and takes work. So I think sometimes when people see me tweeting motivational things, they're like, wow, it's so easy for you. And I'm like, this is years and years and years of pulling myself up a lot of times on my own pulling myself up because being nihilistic is not helpful. Being nihilistic is not helpful to my community. It's not helpful to me. And so I look for ways to have hope in times of crisis. And that was what 1%, 1% happy. I sold it, unfortunately or fortunately, right before the pandemic to HBO Max. It was great. It was, you know, I was starring in it. It was a pilot I wrote about my life. It was a girl who survives a suicide attempt and then is like, literally now what? That was my plan A. I'm still alive. I hate life. Why should I hang in there? And so I was curious. I was curious about that answer. Why should she hang in there? How can she hang in there? It didn't survive the pandemic. It got dropped the first year of the pandemic. And as we know, HBO Max torpedoed into a billion different things. Mm -hmm. And so I have other shows that are in development, but it's been really difficult. You know, speaking of the writer's strike, you were like, why are we striking? I've written now on three one-hour dramas that just either don't exist or I've been removed as a writer or it was a mini room and I don't get credit. And I feel I have nothing to show for all those years. And so you, you know, y'all have been following my career. You're like, no, I know she's a great writer. She's mm-hmm. doing, she's so busy. She's so successful. But if you Google me, it's like, well, where is all that stuff? My pilot doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. The three shows I wrote on have not aired. If they will ever air, maybe they will, but they're at the formerly mentioned network that has been dropping a lot of stuff. And that's very difficult. I'm trying to surrender to divine timing. I'm trying to surrender to when it hits, it'll hit. And I feel like a lot of us, a lot of people of color feel like we're a pressure cooker. You know, it's like you're just when is my time? I'm I'm getting better and better and better. And we always we always talk about having to be twice as good or three times as good. And now I feel like truly if I were to sell my first ever pilot, that's how good it was, like where (laughs) and I still am dealing with so many obstacles to it being seen and it being seen as worthy of even being on screen. That's so difficult. It's a it's a tough subject matter that you wrote about in an even tougher industry. Right. And there's I mean, really something to be said about the the amount of suicide. I mean, Jack Knight, rest in peace. Jack Knight. Comedian, also TV writer, very tragically and unexpectedly passed. And I think it's believed that he did commit suicide. How do creatives in this industry keep their chin up and keep pushing forward when there are so many obstacles in place? We talk about community, but I really feel like that is probably what keeps me going is people that will be there for me, whether I'm shining or not, Mm -hmm. whether I'm successful or not, whether I'm famous or not. I mean, those people are really what we go through the trenches together. And I think a lot of people want to reach up and 
and like, oh, but I just want to be friends with Jordan Peele, who's great. I love Jordan. He follows me. He's great. He's followed me for years. I have no idea why because he just deals with my anime memes constantly. But <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to just be friends with Ava DuVernay. She'll put me on. And it's like, no, your friends actually put you on. Jordan's friends put him on. They showed up for him when he was in the trenches before he made it. My friends that are there for me that hold me and carry me. And I hope that I'm doing the same for them. But I also want to say I kind of took some of this matter into my own hands. I made my own short film. Yes, you did. In the static. Yeah. Wrote it, starred in it, uh, submitted it to these festivals. It's now gotten into four different festivals. It premiered at La Leaf. I'm going to Essence Fest this weekend in New Orleans. It got into the Michaud Festival. So, like, I was tired of waiting for people to think that I'm worthy to be a star. And I just decided to, to make something myself. And I'm glad that it's resonating with people. Yes, your the your short film in the static it premiered at La Leaf mm-hmm. recently, and it was sold out a sold out crowd, yeah. sold out room. What was the reception like to in the static? It it's so funny because I can never get away from my comedy background. <laughs> I love comedy, and you know some of the people that I like Jordan Jordan Peele, like he obviously has comedy in his horror. Danny McBride, who wrote the latest Halloween's, like he also puts horror comedy in his horror, and I think comedy and horror go so well together. So there's a lot of comedic elements of it that I don't think I'll ever I think everything I make is going to have comedy that was great to hear everyone laughing but also I had one of the executives at CBS casting reach out to me and was like who is this girl yeah and was like wanting to meet with me and I'm like I've been here <laughs> I've been an actress I've been here for almost a decade I listened to y'all's last episode or one of your previous episodes where you talked about you know that trope of it taking 10 years to be an overnight success. And I've been here for almost 10 years. (laughs) So I wanted to make something where I was like, look, I can do comedy. I can do horror. I can do drama. I can write my own shit. And I did that. But it, I don't know. I just, I guess I was tired of, I feel like they always want a more famous version of me. Hmm. I feel like I'm auditioning, but they always want the girl who's the more famous version of me in our community. And I'm so tired of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them to give us more opportunities to break through as opposed to like the five of us that get all of the roles. Right. I would love for a hundred of us to be working Mm -hmm. to have that representation. One thousand percent. Yeah. You know, I want to ask you about creating your own short film and just in general creating really meaningful and personal art media uh, specifically about mental illness and like any advice you have for folks that are trying to do the same they're trying to write their own opportunities like what advice do you have to create meaningful and personal art that speaks to such a, a large topic that affects tons of people I would say the first thing is reading a lot of scripts I taught myself how to write I did not go to school for this and now like I've said I've written on three different Warner Brothers dramas I obviously wrote and sold my own show I have another show that's currently in development and then I wrote and made my own short so you can teach yourself how to write don't let that hold you back and feel like you're you're waiting for someone to give you that opportunity. But another thing is don't feel like you have to be so hard on your trauma. You know, I included elements of my trauma in in the static. It's about a woman who's gaslit, which I had dealt with. It's a woman who kind of spirals into paranoia. But the entire thing wasn't necessarily about her trauma. And so I think you can have flares of it here and there. But I definitely don't want our community specifically to feel that they have to be, it always has to be rooted in trauma. No matter what, if you've dealt with trauma, it's going to come forward in your work. (laughs) It just will. So even if you set a space sci-fi, you know, thriller, 
you'll probably have elements of that. So don't think it has to necessarily be about that. But just allow yourself the risks. You know, when I watch something like Succession, I'm like, are we allowed to make these types of risks and make a show that's chaotic, that has unlikable characters, that is wild and problematic? And are we allowed to make this? Are we always having to uphold how great our community is? It's like, that's awesome. But like, when are we allowed to play in a way that these other shows do and clearly win a ton of awards? When are we allowed to have the problematic, wild character? the risk-taking character, the super rich, you know, fucked up character. I just don't see us getting to play as much. Los Spookies, I want to say, is great. Like, they just were so weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, Mm -hmm. so much of what I want to make is just weird. Mm -hmm. Just let us make weird, you know, stuff. So we're seeing more of that. I would love for that door to just be totally flung open. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle. And I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's 
smart, intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun, but then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I agree completely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, most recently, the most ridiculous uproar against the Oye Primos. I know. Um, the trailer that came out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with Flaming Hot, of course, mm-hmm. there's been some negativity around that film. And I'm just thinking back, like, I don't think I've ever seen white people protest Trailer Park Boys. No. <laughs> or, or My succession. Name is Earl. You or, know, succession. or Succession. White people are like, oh, a jackass white person. Great. Let's watch five seasons. They don't you know? think it represent it like succession didn't have to represent all white people. Everything right. we make has to represent all of us. And it's tiring as a creator. Mm-hmm. And if you are trying to join us in creating, if you eventually want your own TV show or film or whatever, you have to stop asking that of us because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. I can only tell my own experience. Um, I hope that you find it resonates you, with you in some way. I think my short film has resonated with even it being at Essence right. shows that it, which is largely black female led, which our producer was uh, Camille Corbett. Yes. She's my co-star in it. Love Camille. Um, so she's great. And then uh, Robert Butler third is the one who directed it. So I'm glad that it's resonating. That frustrates me that... That, that we're not allowed to kind of just play, that we have to uphold all of us, you know? Agreed. It can be very limiting and it's kind of a trap, you know, I think for the creative and then also for the audience. I'm I'm wondering too, when you are sharing online, not only about the strike or your work mm-hmm. or mental health, but also thirst traps, I mean, really the 360 of you, mm-hmm. what tends to be the response? Is it overwhelmingly positive? Is it? Do you get a lot of negativity on the internet? It's kind of 50-50. I've moved my life in a way where I now try to focus more on the positivity, so I don't see the negativity as much. It still catches me off guard sometimes. I definitely dealt with it a lot more when I was in like the nerd hosting world, and that was really difficult. Anything that anybody could use to tear me apart, they did. My face, my body, my jaw, my chin, my I have a very strong jaw, which I now love. I see people getting fillers in their face to have my jaw, but I was just talking to Arise Wanzer about this, that there were a lot of incels that would call me a man, say my face was manly, say like, get her out of here, like all of this stuff on the comments. And I just wasn't used to it. And I would weep and cry. And I honestly looked up getting jaw surgery. And I'm so glad I didn't. But I almost did that because I was younger. And I was dealing with so many negative comments that I just couldn't take it anymore. And I was like, you know, you you start to think if everybody feels this way about my face, maybe it's true. And I'm so glad that I didn't touch my face. And I think for people looking at me now, they're like, you're so beautiful. How could you think that? You are so beautiful. (laughs) Stunning. And another thing I explained to Reese and I were talking about, and, you know, I was like, you know who has a strong jaw? Heroes and villains. Heroes and villains have really strong jaws. And so you, you know, I think when people see how much I love myself, which again, suicide survivor. So it took me a long time to get here. I also used to have an eating disorder. And so it took me a really long time to get here. And I think when people see how much I'm willing to love myself, it's triggering to them. And they just kind of want to take me down a peg as opposed to realizing how how hard it was for me to get here. 
Yeah, it makes me think of of Judy Garland and mm-hmm. Lil' Kim, mm-hmm. you know, right. and just supremely talented women in different eras, in different art forms, but just beyond the pale and receiving such, such abusive treatment from those around them because of their appearance yeah. and, and persevering and making art anyways. And it also makes me sad because it's like, have we improved? Have we gotten better? Have we learned nothing from these women, right? From the Britneys? It's, I don't know, I, I guess, I guess... These are probably women that you've also seen and studied and admired. Who do you look to, I guess, mm-hmm. as as examples or or heroes or role models in this industry? Quinta Brunson. Quinta Brunson is like my North Star. Ariana DeBois is another person. And I just hold on to them. So like when I'm down, I actually wrote I, I wrote Ariana that she was my North Star and she followed me. <laughs> and, you know, having an Afro-Latina queer who's just slain and like taking over the industry and just proudly and now she's you know starring in a Disney film being gay and being in love it's just what they show me is that good things happen to good people and I hold on to that because another thing that you might have noticed in following me for these years is I've dealt with a lot of shitty men in this industry Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some of them I've outed publicly much to my detriment some of them I've outed privately you know Mo Ryan just had that book, Burn It Down, uh, exposing even more abusers in our industry. And there's just so many of them and so many that haven't even been outed yet. And a lot of people will kind of be like, well, why don't you name them? And it's like, I don't think you understand how lawsuits work. And I think a lot of times it's not necessarily the public's business. It's not one. It's not always my place. It's another woman's story. A lot of the times it's not always I have spoken about my own stuff but a lot of times it's another woman's story and it's if she's in the middle of a lawsuit if she's in the middle of taking care of it I can guarantee you it's almost always been reported behind the scenes to the right people and it comes out when it needs to or in a last ditch effort but I see a lot of times people say name names or why why aren't you naming names you're not helpful and I want you to know how detrimental that is for women because I've watched them name names and I've watched you guys come up with excuses why you still defend these men because they're your favorite star. If you ask to name names, be ready for it to be someone that you love or stop right. asking. Right. And the the potential for being, like you said, sued, for yes. being doxxed, real for women being that ha- stalked, yeah. harassed. Yeah. The people making these demands are not going to show up and pay your legal fees they're not going to show up and protect you and they're not going to show up and ensure that you're going to be okay and you're going to have a career. Yeah. So basically I hold on to good people, good people like Quinta, good people like Ariana, you know, they're kind of my North stars of just like, look at when things pop, they pop. And, you know, Quinta is a great, she's something that I'm holding on to right now with the fact that several of my shows haven't moved forward because she had two or three pilots before Abbott. So she had shot a pilot with CBS that didn't go. She also was in a pilot at the CW that didn't go. And then she had Abbott. And so she was a pressure cooker, right, of talent. Well, she was also in a Black Lady sketch show, but now she had a show that she had created on her own. And so I kind of see her as that pressure cooker situation. She just got better and better every year and was undeniable until it was her divine timing that she popped. And now hopefully doors open for her much easier than what she had to deal with the first decade of her career. But she's that's definitely what I mean about a North Star is somebody who you can look to as like this person has a similar track as me, has dealt with rejection the same as I have, 
they're a good person. And in the end, it worked out for them. And continuing to write, continuing to perform and and make work, even if the last thing didn't pop, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So those are, that's why I'm hopeful. That's why I have to be hopeful. And I hope if anyone sees my affirmations, you know, they understand where it's coming from. It's coming from a place of necessity. I've had people write me that, like, how do you always know what to say? Or how do you know I need to hear this right when I needed to hear it? And it's like, because I needed to hear this. (laughs) I needed to hang in. I needed that reminder. I wanted to ask you specifically about Twitter and your affirmations and the mental health content you decide to put out there. And like, how do you navigate that as a creator and an internet user amidst the era of misinformation and like people self-diagnosing also? Do you think about those things when Mm -hmm. you're like posting? Yeah. The wildest thing to me is like someone could make up a rumor about you and it just could spread like wildfire. And especially if you're not really on Twitter or TikTok or whatever to like defend yourself or you've removed yourself and you're like, I just don't feel like having an account or getting on there. I did have something similar like that happen to me. I remember when I sold my show, one night during the height of the pandemic, I completely spiraled. I don't know what happened in my head. I also have OCD, clinical OCD. So I have obsessive intrusive thoughts. They're not fun. They just, it's like a broken record that plays again and again and again and again. And Rami Yusuf, I remember, reached out to me. I've known him for years. And he was like, you have to get off there. (laughs) Which if you notice, if you go to his Twitter, he's not really on there. It says, I think, like, nobody runs this account. But I don't think it's, you know, Quinta has talked repeatedly about not really being on there. Because nobody can really understand what it's like until they're in your shoes. You can think you know what it's like to make a TV show that has to represent such a huge portion of your community, but you don't really know until you're there everything that they're dealing with. And one little slip up seems like the worst thing in the world. I remember when people were writing her to include school shootings in the episodes and we're like, let's not do that. Why can't they just have a safe place of peace and joy? And seeing black children just getting to you know, be themselves in a school where they feel protected. Why, you know, that's not her place. It's not her responsibility. But I remember she had a very graceful response of like, this is how badly people need this addressed is that they're asking someone that has a show on ABC to do it as opposed to their congressman. I remember somebody tweeted, you're worried about the wrong Abbott. And I love that. I think sometimes there's too much noise. You know, I Twitter, I use to build up my platform. I build up my following. I build up my fan base. And now it's done its job. And so now I'm on there less and less. I don't even have it on my phone. A lot of times I feel bad I don't get back to people for like a week or so. But I just can't have everybody's opinions, especially their opinions about me, mm-hmm. constantly flying at me. Yeah, there was a time where... We talk about this all the time. Yeah. There was a time where the only way you could get in touch with your fave celeb is by writing them some fan mail. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it'll end up on a pile somewhere, you know. But now people have this direct line mm-hmm. to creatives and to celebrities, to A-list celebrities mm-hmm. even. And I'm curious, like, 
have there been benefits for you having that kind of direct contact with your audience? But have there, I mean, also, what have the drawbacks been? Yeah. I mean, I was a Disney character because of that. Because Rich Moore, Phil Johnston, they follow me and they were directing Wreck-It Ralph. They made Wreck-It Ralph, uh, or at least Rich did, and Ralph Breaks the Internet. They literally hit me up because they wanted hosts from the Internet. They wanted real-life gamers, real-life YouTubers, and so they hit me up and asked if I wanted to be animated, and I was like, yes. <laughs> and so for the rest of my life, I am a Disney character that's literally like, hey, I'm Danny Fernandez, you know, and I have it framed in my living room, and, like, that would not have come without Twitter. Mm-hmm. Some of the showrunners that follow me, like I said, Jordan Peele following me, finding me, I, and he found me because one of his head writers actually had tweeted and said, if you're a fan of comedy, you have to follow Danny Fernandez. And then I saw him, he followed me. And so it's stuff like that, where it's like, they never would have found me. But the drawbacks are just, I'm so sensitive. Mm -hmm. I'm so, I'm a person. I'm so sensitive. And the comments are just, it just takes one or two comments to really dig into me. And I think the the thing I've been doing now is just like, this is a deeply unhealed, unhappy person. It's very easy now that I've done so much therapy to see how unhappy a lot of people are because happy people don't write you stuff like that. I think what I've loved, too, about you is I feel like a lot of your stuff is very much it's about your relationship to yourself. Yeah. So much of your work is is you talking to Danny and about Danny. I mean, she's all I got. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, she's all I got sometimes. I just feel like I've done so much self-work. I will do anything to get better. Mm. And I was doing that, like just finding anything that I could to try to heal myself. So again, if you see me posting positive things, know it comes from a place of deep, deep trauma (laughs) and healing. I think people project, right? They think like, oh, you're at this point where you're about positive affirmations and maybe they're not there in their journey. And so they can't Mm -hmm. even read what you're saying and taking it and and thinking about how much work it took for you to even be at that place to say positive affirmations to yourself and to the Internet. But that's also 1% of what I get. 99% are people who found me because of that same reason, Mm -hmm. because they are survivors, they're trauma survivors, they're abuse survivors, they're suicide survivors, and it helps them. I've had people even, sorry, I'm gonna get emotional. Mm -hmm. I've had people even at the picket, I had an older Latina that came up to me and was like, your post like saved me and she like held me. And I just like, I got into tears. Because I was like, oh, so <laughs> you forget. You're kind of like tweeting out in a bubble. And I forget that people are actually seeing this. And it helped her. It helped her, someone who's wiser and older than me. And we follow each other now. And I'm, I'm happy. And But I was just like so grateful that she came up and found me and said that it had helped her. And there's so many of her. There's so many people who have pulled me aside and been like, this really helped me get through my day. Or I didn't think I would make it. Sometimes you just need a sign to hold to hold on. And a lot of times other women have been that sign for me. So I'm glad that I can be that sign for other people. Thank you for sharing that. I think we can't even comprehend sometimes how far the work is capable of going. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. And where can folks follow you, Danny Fernandez? I'm at Ms. Danny Fernandez. It's M-S-D-A-N-I-F-E-R-N-A-N-D-E-Z on Twitter and Instagram. I did get TikTok and I've been trying to post more. Ooh, there I'm a whole, I'm a whole yeah. other monster. I'm at 
I am Danny Fernandez. There's so, there's so many Danny Fernandezes, y'all. It's the most common name, I feel. <laughs> My friend sent me this other girl who is on TikTok. She has more followers than and she's also. There's a lot of Danny Fernandez I. I think we should all just team up and. Um, a mega Danny. Yeah, there's a Danny Fernandez that uh, male, but he's a writer on iCarly. And I would get tagged sometimes about that. We, uh, I refuse to see us as competition. I will see us all as one big Optimus Prime. Thank you, Danny Fernandez, for sharing about her mental health journey, being online, and being a creative in this industry. If you enjoyed this episode, and even if you didn't, share this with everyone you know, your primas, your mom, your cousins, your coworkers. Leave us a comment. Leave us a review. Visit our website and leave us a speak pipe voice message. It just might get played on a future episode of Locatora Radio. Subscribe to our newsletter at locatoraradio.com and we will catch you next time. Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, is executive produced and hosted by me, Mala Munoz, and Diosa Femme. Story editing by me, Diosa. Audio editing by Stephanie Franco. Thank you to our locamores, our listeners, for all of your support. Besitos. Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella. Hosted by Mala Muñoz and Diosa Femme. with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. And we host Stages Podcast. Binge close to 100 episodes. Hear the inside stories from backstage and behind the scenes as we go beyond the resume and into the heart of creativity and what it really takes to be in the business of show business. Don't miss our chats with this season's Tony nominees. If you love theater and entertainment, you are going to love Stages Podcast. Subscribe to Stages Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and visit us at stagespodcast.net. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.